to the CCS Insight Podcast. My name is James Sanders, and I serve as the Principal Analyst for Cloud and Infrastructure here at CCS Insight. And I'm your host for today's discussion on the journey from multi-cloud complexity to multi-cloud coherency. Joining me today from VMware are Amanda Blevins, Vice President and CTO for the Americas, and Richard Monroe from the Office of the CTO for Strategy and Operations. I'm also joined by Clive Howard, CTO at Huozi, a provider of a humanitarian fintech platform. Clive is also an associate analyst with CCS Insight. Hello and welcome to you all for what I expect will be a lively and informative discussion. Hello. Hello. Hi, James. Great. Just a level set on how widely multi-cloud architectures have been adopted. Three quarters of enterprises in CCS Insight's 2022 Senior Leadership IT Investment Survey are using more than one cloud provider compared with only 55% one year ago. And with that, we're here to talk about, you know, what are the key benefits and drivers for multi-cloud environments? I'll kick it off to you, Amanda. Well, thank you. And thanks for having us on the podcast. You know, I think there's um, two sets of drivers for multi-cloud. The first set is um, the, the more challenging one, where organizations or agencies accidentally found themselves running in multiple clouds, or maybe started a POC that quickly turned into production and found themselves in multiple clouds. And we also include private and edge uh, in our cloud definition. So if somebody's you know using on-prem and edge and AWS and Azure, you know, those are four different clouds that uh, they have to manage and secure and run workloads and properly. And so this is sometimes uh, created unintentionally through acquisitions or trials or POCs and things like I mentioned. The other driver um, that I think folks are trying to turn to to run workloads in multiple clouds is understanding where does my business generate revenue? What applications and data are necessary for that? And what technologies do those applications and data need to be able to be successful currently, to be able to grow in the future, um, to break through to new markets and things like that. So it's a much more structured approach to leveraging technology by aligning it to business revenue or if you're an agency or you know, a federal entity to a mission. Richard, how does your experience um, compare? Yeah, it completely marries that. I mean, we absolutely work with organizations who are really looking at the technology landscape we have today and effectively trying to weaponize that tech. So they're saying, I want to be able to use a best of breed capability from anywhere that gives me that competitive advantage I need. And, you know, with cloud services and cloud native applications, the real benefits are that velocity to get things done. However, it's also true that for many organizations, they set out with this idea that they were going to transform into a single cloud. But as Amanda was describing, there are so many reasons why everyone just ends up in the same space of being in this multi-cloud state. You know, just as some statistic examples, 42% of organizations have concerns about US ownership of cloud companies. That's a big, big number. That's nearly half the customer base. 70% believe the risk of compromising localized regulations are an increasing threat to their business plans. You know, the, the geopolitical spectrum is pretty complex right now. So when you add those people that are acquiring companies, you know, there's so many ways that no matter what your original objectives, 
you will end up in a multi-cloud state. And certainly those that set out to do it and set out to recognize that fact, well, they're the ones that are going to be first to carry the competitive advantage. So Clyde, as a practitioner, how does this description really compare with the reality that you face day to day? Well, I would I would I would agree with what um, what what's been said. I think uh, from a from a sort of practitioner standpoint, or through a through a, a developer lens, if you like, which is I guess you know what I sort of represent um, through both my my roles. Um, there's also the fact that you know applications and, and development teams may require certain services that are perhaps only present on a particular cloud or perhaps are considered better on a on a particular cloud. So that naturally sort of lends towards using different clouds where needed. And then you you end up with a, a multi-cloud environment. Um, I think the other thing is that you have teams, especially in large organizations, that that are there um, for particular technologies. Um, you know, we often see you know a Java team and then a, a Microsoft platform team. Those teams may naturally gravitate towards different cloud platforms because of their their you know the technology choices that that they and the organization have already made so again you you can end up in a in a multi-cloud um situation so i think you know from a developer perspective there are a number of reasons why um especially in a, in a say in a large organization with a a lot of um uh, development capability a lot of different teams a lot of legacy and a lot of um skills um, built up over many years why you might end up looking at different clouds um uh, for different different benefits and to suit different groups. That's a really fantastic pivot to the next question, which is, you know, what are the main challenges that organizations face in supporting these multi-cloud environments? We, we've already talked about, you know, why we get to this destination, but on the ground, when you're having to deal with these uh, different types of technologies that you have to put together um, into one unified system, what are you know, what are the challenges? Why, uh, how does this actually work day to day? Obviously, these are technologies and, and there's going to be a lot of technical complexity with making changes. But you know what? I, I think personally, the biggest challenges are actually non-technical challenges. And of those, the biggest challenges that I see people have, it basically all stem from resisting this change to accept that you're in a multi-cloud state and to determine to take advantage of it. And that could be resisting it within IT. You know, IT has a finite, it's, it's a valuable, valuable resource, and it has a finite um, set of units that it can expend in effort, right? Now, you can expend all of that valuable effort to try and enforce a single cloud model, but as we've already discussed, it's highly unlikely to work. I've not seen it work. And it's preventing you using those resources to take the necessary steps to create a foundation where you can take advantage of multi-cloud. But the other resistance I see is failing to make your ability to support multi-cloud, once you do embrace it, your ability to support it and to support it well, failing to make that easily available to internal customers. Because doing this right means giving those internal customers the flexibility and a degree of autonomy to do what they need to do to drive the business. You want to deploy those apps and services, go right ahead. And a technical org is not necessarily used to doing that. It's not a model that they've necessarily delivered in the past. You know, as a service remains a hot topic, I would argue that it's nowhere hotter than providing internal services to your internal customers. And, you know, to add to, to what Richard said, 
you know, obviously the reason, the purpose for IT and our applications and our data is to make the business successful and the various lines of business successful. So of course we need to be able to provide the right technology with the right security and visibility and observability um, to those teams so they can do their work with the least amount of friction possible. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest issues that we find is when workloads are deployed in multiple clouds, generally that represents a small fraction of the workload uh, number in total. So say there are 100 workloads that this company has, you know, obviously some have more, some have less, but 100 so I can do easy math on the fly. Um, generally, you know, only 10% of those workloads are running in public cloud. Even if the organization, or especially if the organization had a project for the last few years or longer to migrate a significant portion of those workloads, generally 80% to the public cloud. And so there are a lot of things that are limiting, you know, these companies, large and small across the globe in different industries. And it's because running one or two applications in a cloud environment with the um, with the different types of architecture that must be put in place to support that is far different than running a large estate of applications and analyzing data in a cloud environment for a number of reasons. And so, uh, you know, as a technologist, I can identify with this statement that I'm about to make quite well, but technologists, we love, you know, new tech. We want to go out there and try new things and the latest languages and latest services and see what we can build with it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we're making the right choice. Uh, so there does need to be some sort of governance and oversight and architectural board to make sure that the you know, services and, and other things that, you know, the technology teams are using to create and run these applications and manage this data and find insights to this data is not just because as technologists we think it's cool, but also because it makes the most business and, and you know, architectural sense. So regardless, um, you know, when an organization started or how many workloads they have or other things, as soon as there's multiple platforms being leveraged to run an application and to analyze data, you know, that's 2x, 3x, 4x the amount of tools, the amount of people that are necessary to be able to support and run those environments at scale. And, you know, we just don't have those number of, of folks in IT available to us. There isn't even, you know, the talent and those skills worldwide to be able to do that uh, for the number of organizations that are trying. So using something like multi-cloud services to be able to support and run workloads in multiple clouds is very important because then it removes the need for 2x, 3x, 4x, the amount of tools and teams to be able to accomplish it. It means that you're using the same solution to be able to provide the same capabilities across multiple environments. So just building on, 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 on what's, what's been said, I think, and just to, to sort of emphasize um, what, uh, what Richard said, and I think then what sort of um, Amanda articulated a bit more detail, but your cloud is hard, right? Um, one cloud is hard. There is an enormous breadth and depth of capability, especially in the public clouds. And, and you only need to do a little research to, to really start to get a quick sense of just how challenging it is to even on-ramp uh, into, into a single cloud. And so when you multiply that by multiple clouds, uh, you have you know, you, you have an enormous challenge, not just in the in the services and the products and, and even sort of the, the, the technical aspect of running workloads, but just cost. You know how much is all of this costing me? Um, and cost in the cloud can be quite a complicated issue in itself. And then you have other issues such as you know where are things running, what is running, how much 
resource am I am I am I using? And that can be across different geographies if you're running in multiple regions. Um, that can be you know difficult to get a to get a picture of. So so even if you're you know you you take out you know the idea of trying to run a single platform from a technology perspective to build on, um, you really want uh, tools that can help you to see across all of these clouds from these various other perspectives. So you can get a sense of what does my estate look like from the perspective of cost, from the perspective of where is you know where is my usage, where are my services, where are my workloads. Um, and if there are tools that can help with that, then I think you know that's going to be of 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 enormous benefit to the, to the majority of of businesses. It's it's interesting that you bring up the Clive the the need to really be planful about these types of technology deployments. And Amanda, you you mentioned that um, you know as a technologist, you love technology, and from a consumer standpoint, I think we've all either seen or experienced firsthand the idea of. You know, going out and lining up in front of a store to wait for a new gadget to be released, but enterprises don't really do that. You can't really be the day one adopter necessarily. And there's, I'd be surprised if you could find a store to line up uh, outside of in order to get onto a cloud service. How does an organization best combine the benefits of a single multi-cloud services offering that spans both private and public clouds? with those of individual proprietary cloud capabilities. And Clive, let's, uh, let's start out with you. Yeah, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a really good question because I think that there's, you know, there's, there is value um, to, to having a, a single platform and, and being able to, to move you know, a workload around different clouds. Um, and certainly, I think we'll come on to talking about uh, you know, areas where, for example, there's uh, regulatory issues that, that kind of you know, require that. Um, but equally, I think the, the the value of a cloud is typically in its proprietary capabilities. Um, you know, why would I choose Azure over AWS, for example? Probably because Azure's got something that AWS doesn't have, right? Or does something in a way that AWS doesn't do it. So, so you're absolutely right. Like, how do I get the benefit of a single platform, but also get the benefit and the value of being on these different clouds? And I think, you know, it's going to be a different answer for different organizations, but I think basically, you know, on-ramping into cloud is challenging and a single platform can help you to do that, can accelerate that time to actually get into the cloud and to start to get workloads running in public clouds and private clouds, moving around and so on, whatever your, you know, your requirement is. And then that gives you a foundation from which you can then start to build into the proprietary services. So I think it shortens the time that it takes to get from basically being not in the cloud to getting into the cloud and then being able to embrace the services and releasing much more of the value that you're going to get from being in each cloud. So I, th- I think you can you can you can you can use you can certainly use both. As I say, I think one is definitely a a a, a an accelerator to uh, to the other. I, I think this gets to Clive's spot on here, and I think this gets really to the root of a huge amount of misunderstanding about what multi-cloud is and what this role of cross-cloud services can do for you. So so cross-cloud services do bring consistency, Um, but I often hear that it's kind of a lowest common denominator approach. And and actually that's that's not quite getting what cross-cloud services can do for you. So they do bring cloud agnostic features, right? So 
if you look, if you want to use like an Amazon RDS database or something, you're going to go into that console. But if you want to set up access controls to a new application team across various distributions and resources that are in different clouds, some on-prem, some in AWS, some in Azure, whatever, then you don't want to have to do that three times and hope you've got it right and hope you've got consistency. You want a tool that's going to give you that consistent operational ability to do that. So whilst there are cloud agnostic features that you will directly use, the point about cross-cloud services is that they also free you to use those proprietary services where you want or need to. How? Because you have the controls in place to facilitate and manage that. And this is exactly why so many businesses who maybe last year or the year before insisted that they would be single cloud, their pace of transformation was actually really slow and problematic. And what they found out was that the way to accelerate their ability to specifically use those proprietary services they really needed to deliver value wasn't to say, hey, I'm going to throw everything in there, right? It just did not work. Instead, it was to embrace multi-cloud and its concepts of cross-cloud services. And as a result, to make the transformation a lot simpler and a lot cheaper and to enable them to take, to use those proprietary services without all the crazy risk and threat and silos. Yeah, I, th I agree with you know, everything that's been said so far, and and I I dive down a little deeper and, and maybe present a challenge to to you know everyone that that's listening to this podcast or might be talking about with their colleagues and, and folks in the industry as well, as we've mentioned a couple times already, you know, organizations and developers and technologists want flexibility and choice to be able to choose best in breed services. And I think everybody has their own opinion about how that affects their their technology landscape for their organization. If a company chooses too many best of breed services, the complexity that goes into making all those things work together versus buying more of a platform and a solution. And you know, I think about the 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 landscape of companies across various industries that are doing things. And you know, obviously there's companies like Netflix that are, you know, pushing the boundaries of technology every day based on the scale that they have to you know, perform and, and the amount of users that they service. And then you know, there's enterprise companies that are not having to solve those problems, but they're solving other problems in the way that they deliver their services to their, uh, if they're B2B or B2C or you know, whatever their business model is. And so I think my, my question to folks would be, when you say best in breed, like, what is it specifically that you need that is not available in a different cloud service? And so how can we limit the amount of cloud services, especially across multiple clouds that we actually need to consume? So, you know, database services are available in every public cloud provider, or do I go with a multi-cloud service like Snowflake, um, where I can get the same database services across? You know, what, what do I get out of RDS that I don't get out of Snowflake that I really need to make a business differentiation in my company? And so the same goes for other levels of services, whether they're end user, other things in the application, you know, multi-cloud service area, security and infrastructure. So a great example would be, I'm using Kubernetes and I'm running it, I'm running EKS, and AKS, and Tanzu Kubernetes Grid and Anthos and OpenShift, all these different platforms. And so to be able to manage and secure and control Kubernetes across this real estate, well, I can use 
you know, a solution, a multi-cloud service to do that because I'm not really use, losing any capabilities my business needs if I can offer Kubernetes wherever I should be. Now, if I have a small data scientist team that needs to do uh, ML uh, on their way to AI and they determine that best of breed is available in Google Cloud Platform and some of their you know, data analytics services, then I probably would not institute a multi-cloud service to be able to accomplish that because I just have a small set of people that have a specific problem that can be solved by this best of breed service. Now, if it was something that happened to happen at, that needed to happen at scale, well, then maybe I'd go a different route. So, I, you know, just to summarize there, you know, obviously we all like to, to use the best things and I'm well known for, <laughs> for uh, having lots of resiliency in all of my designs, whether it's professional or personal. Um, but I would challenge folks to see how else can you reduce complexity in your environment by determining, do I always need best of breed or do I need these particular services to be able to solve my business challenges? That's a really good point, Amanda. And I, I think the idea of best in breed and best in class services versus, you know, how do you actually do this at scale in, in a way that is a, a proper multi-cloud deployment versus just a bunch of different clouds in parallel that don't really talk to each other. And so I, I'm, I'm curious, what, what's the right organizational and operational approach to delivering a multi-cloud strategy for an enterprise? And what can an organization do to implement it successfully? And I'll, I'll throw it back to you for that. Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's, there's a couple major decisions organizations need to make. I think in the past, you know, five, seven years ago, three years ago, when folks had the cloud first mentality and all my workloads are moving, and then they found that, you know, that didn't provide the ROI, the KPIs, or the agility that they were looking for. And now they're, you know, leaders are now reevaluating, like, what is my cloud strategy? So now we get to be intentional about it. And so I think there's a couple of major things. One, there has to be the, the decision, do I want to run my own data centers? If I do, for whatever reason, security, compliance, the fact that it's less expensive if I do it well than using public cloud services, whatever the reasons are, if I'm going to stick to that, whatever the percentage of applications and workloads and data will be there, I need to modernize my data centers and have them perform as private clouds. So if I just stick with older technology, then the amount of time and care and feeding that my data centers require will not get me to the point where I need you know, with agility. And then, you know, when it is, and then if I decide, you know what, I'm not doing any private data centers, it's not um, important to my business or my organization, I'm gonna run all my workloads in public clouds. That's when you decide what is the speed in which I need to get out of my data center? Is a contract coming up? You know, do I have to do it in six months? Do I have three years? You know, what is my timeline? And that will also drive, you know, how you'll do this cloud migration. Will you refactor your applications, modernize them, use cloud services? Will you? you know, take a lift and shift approach. And then once it's all moved, then you start to identify what should be refactored. And so all these different, you know, concepts and ideas means that you might need different talent. But my, the, the thing that I would stress is that however you approach it, make sure that you're not creating two different teams, two different organizations, two silos or three silos or four silos if you have multiple clouds. Think about it from the aspect of you have a cloud operations team and those are all your architects and engineers and operations folks, and then you have the platform engineering team. And the platform engineering team are the ones that create the platform in which application owners and developers use to interact uh, with their applications, to be able to deploy them, you know, manage them, already with all the security and everything already built in because the platform engineering team, the cloud ops team, are working together to provide that hand in hand. 
So it's a little bit of the evolution from DevSecOps because um, uh, some folks have, have determined that DevSecOps has not worked out for them, so they're looking for the next way to do this. And so, you know, helping your talent grow their skill sets to be able to align to what you're looking to accomplish. They don't need to know everything about public cloud. That's impossible. Nobody would ever know everything. But make sure that you're training your talent and hiring talent that can align specifically to your technology direction and the specific technology services that you'll think that you'll need. Uh, because they'll have meaningful work to do and they'll want to stay and, and solve these complex problems. That That's really good advice, especially for enterprises that have, I think, the level of staffing to build out the teams that you've described, Amanda. And I'm, I'm curious, Clive, you know, you're the CTO of a social benefit organization. I don't know what the level of staffing of that, of that group is, but um, how difficult would it be to implement that type of strategy in uh, in your organization, well, yes, well, yes, we are a we are a very small organization. I mean, small organizations obviously have have a slight benefit in this scenario, which is that you know we're not a tanker that needs turning, right? We are we are you know a, a small group that can move incredibly quickly and are quite nimble, and we we have people that are both good at that and and want to do that. So so some of the issues that you know that that come up and have been raised, like for example, you know resistance. You know we don't. We don't run into resistance. We have, you know, we have people who are very keen to, 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 to adopt, you know, new technologies, but not just for the sake of adopting new technologies, but to, to, you know, to, 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 to adopt them in order to, to realize the benefits and, and the value of, uh, of, of doing so. So, so I think, you know, some, some of it is, 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 is relevant when you're a, when you're a smaller organization, but some of it is kind of, you know, we have the ability to shortcut it. Um, because we don't, you know, we don't, we don't have a lot of people to, um, to have to, uh, alter and, and, and change and, and processes that, you know, have been in place for a long time and consist of lots of groups and teams you often have a process, you know, we often have a lot of automation already, for example. So, um, so, you know, changing those processes is not, is not that, um, that difficult. So we have, we have all of those benefits where, where we kind of suffer, I think, as a smaller organization is that where, you know, the public cloud, especially as I mentioned earlier, has enormous, you know, breadth and depth. That's the same if you're the largest enterprises, if you're the smallest little business, right? But as a small business, that 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 breadth and depth is even more challenging because you can't put armies of people onto, you know, figuring out every every service that you want to use at the to the nth degree, and you don't have operations teams that can go off and, you know production ready this whole thing and make sure it's all the secure, right securities in place and so on and so forth so it makes it very challenging from that perspective when you don't have a lot of resource to um to throw at what are quite complicated capabilities and can quite quickly become quite complex um setups from an architecture and and development perspective so you have to find ways sort of clever ways um to uh, to make sure that you're doing things properly because you can't just say well we're small therefore let's not worry about security um, especially for us we have to <laughs> security is incredibly uh, important for us so so that's where often for example we've been very fortunate that you know sometimes partners will will, will come in and and help us in those you know those certain key areas um, and and you know partners is something we haven't really sort of touched on but I think you know partners often have that that depth of experience and skill that you don't have and to be honest you just can't invest in creating and so um they can they can come and again sort of as a kind of shortcut to get you to 
to the kind of state that you need to be in in order to to, to feel happy about what you have running out there in in whatever clouds it it is you have it running in. I felt I felt Clive just you know really nailed the key issues there. It's you know if you look at how our ability as an industry has evolved over the maturing years of cloud and cloud native apps, the problems the problems we're solving that are delivering that maturity, they're all problems we've solved before. Right? Heterogeneity, all right, it's not servers, it's clouds and app frameworks. Getting consistent security across all the things that we have, you know, making sure we're not on the front page because we had a, a bucket with elevated privileges or something. And the people in your organization already have a lot of those useful skills and experience, right? It's, it's already there. It's in your organization. So the first focus is making sure that those are on board to your mission and that you're augmenting them with support for the new tech components they need to learn. And you know, two things there. One, cross-cloud services are actually fantastic for this because by definition, they inherently link all the worlds, right? So there's a familiarity and a consistency that they can leverage. But two, uh, Clive quite rightly called out, the partner and provider ecosystem now is also very mature. So there's a lot of support that people can get. And when I say mission, you know, I, I think it's really twofold. It, or you can kind of simplify it in terms of approach to twofold. So assuming you're embracing that this is going to be my reality and how do I maximize um, the benefit I get for the for the minimum effort. The first is a cloud operating model that enables you as a business to take advantage and do whatever is right for you. And we have solutions, cross-cloud solutions to to kind of help you do that, right? It's very uncomfortable to say, hey, you go and do what you like. The reality is that you're setting up technical guardrails, which let people deploy the apps and resources in different clouds, but always while ensuring that they're compliant with your security, your quotas, your business policies, and so on. And the second side is, Clive actually mentioned it, the importance earlier about uh, FinOps, financial operations. So people often feel that services we provide in this space is, is about cost identification. And I get it because that's a huge benefit. I mean, who doesn't want to avoid bill shocks and who doesn't want to save 20 plus percent or whatever, right? It's it's an obvious. So everyone goes there and, and it's great. It gets those early wins. But really setting yourself up with the cloud operating model, bringing along those people who understand your business priorities, what you can do is provide full financial transparency for your digital go-to-market, for any of your projects, for any of your lines of business, for any of your applications. I don't care where they're deployed. I don't care what solutions they're using. This is why we're doing this, right? We're trying to accelerate our digital transformation. We're trying to get those benefits of becoming a more digital-based company. And these cross-cloud services and this approach to multi-cloud, well, this is how we get spend control across all of that. But it's also how we get that really intelligent digital analysis that can ultimately realize our, ab our ability to drive business profitability. So embracing it and bringing the people along on a joint mission where they and your organization are transforming is the way to go. Thanks for that, Richard. And that, um, that brings us pretty 
pretty neatly to the end here about, you know, multi-cloud is going to require new skills and there is a talent shortfall in the market. So I'm curious what organizations can do to address this challenge. And I'd like to um, hand that back to Amanda. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a true challenge, whether you're a Fortune 10, you know, a government agency, anywhere in between, you know, finding the folks that know public cloud services well is difficult. You know, they, they demand high compensation. Um, they're always, um, you know, talent acquisition folks are always reaching out to them. So there might be a little bit of a concern around hiring folks like that and then and or training and retaining folks, you know, for those public cloud services uh, that you will consume, that, that you've decided to, to use. And so I think that, you know, in my opinion, employees will, will stay at a place and remain in a company and be loyal to a company where they're doing meaningful work. They feel like they're making an impact in that industry or in the world and, and find out what else is important to them. Because, you know, we've all learned technology up to this point. We've all figured it out, right? And we all have our specialties and things that we enjoy. And that just is going to continue and grow as we continue to, to move workloads into various locations in public clouds and edge and private cloud. And so, you know, technologists want to know that new technology. They want to learn it. And there has to be a meaning to go along with it. Um, so there's no, you know, easy magic wand that you can wave and all of a sudden you're fully staffed. You know, with all the, the folks that you need, with the skills that, that you need. Uh, so it's going to take some time to grow that team and grow them in a way that, that you know, folks want to be a part of it and that they are continuing to, to grow as a professional and, and learn those new skills. Uh, but definitely being transparent about the company goals and how this relates back to the success of the company um, will go a long way in, in hiring those folks and retaining the ones that you have. So as we're coming to uh, the end of our recording, I'm curious, and let's start with Richard, if I were to ask you to summarize this into, you know, a 30-second elevator pitch, what's your top takeaway from the conversation we've had today? The top takeaway is that everyone is going to be faced with this multi-cloud reality. And, you know, we have seen uh, through every organization that the trick is to understand that and embrace it. The good news about doing that is that, yes, there's lots of complexity, but there are also these services that don't restrict your ability to achieve your ambitions, but they do facilitate you being able to transform your organization, your applications, your infrastructure, and your people to make that journey a lot less painful and a lot less risky. And Amanda, what's your 30-second elevator pitch takeaway? You know, multi-cloud and using cloud services can absolutely bring the velocity and agility that organizations need to innovate and to be market leaders and, and to, you know, satisfy the, their missions and goals. And obviously, we talked about, you know, Clive said one of my favorite sayings, cloud is hard. And in my opinion, multiple clouds is exponentially hard. It's not just two or three X hard. And so it's really weighing out where do I need that agility and velocity? What part of my organization do I need it in? What applications or data do I need it for first? And then have that shape your cloud strategy, but not have it define your cloud strategy. Keep those other applications and workloads in mind so you don't come to a point where you realize that even though the path you took was great for the first 10% of the applications is not the right path for the other 80 or 90% that you want to move. And Clive, I'll, I'll go to you last for what have you learned today? 
you know, we've talked a lot about about multi-cloud, obviously, and the, the, the challenges and the benefits and, and so on. But I think it's important to to remember that you know, cloud, whether one cloud, multiple clouds, is not the change, right? It's the facilitator of the change that organizations are trying to go through. I think what people need to identify is what are they trying to achieve? Nobody, you know, nobody has said to me that the my my job is to go and be in multiple clouds, right? My job is to create value for a business by creating something that that business then deploys and uses to to generate value for them and for their customers. And multi-cloud can support me in doing that, right? So I think, you know, it's key to understand what is it as a business you are trying to achieve? Where is, do you see the value being? And then track back to, okay, well, where is it in, in, in various clouds, one cloud, multiple clouds that, that can help me to deliver on that goal and not kind of get a little bit sort of sidetracked by just you know focusing on the technology and be like, well, if we're in multiple clouds, then we're doing a good thing. Um, so yeah, I would say, you know, be clear about the business goal, the business aim, the business value, and then, okay, how does multi-cloud support that? Thank you very much. And everyone, thank you very much for, for joining in today. It's been a great conversation for all of you listening. Tune in for our next episode. Thank you for hosting, James. This was excellent. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank you very much, Jess.